What is up, family? You're now on the stupid coop. We finally get it together. What's up, my lady? I'm good. What's up, family? It's Jackie and Nettie. And you are now on the stoop with Coop. Lord Jesus, Nettie, we done had 23 minutes of technical difficulties, but here we are. That's okay. We don't give up. We make that sure we I appreciate that energy. <laughs> How are you today in this moment? Uh, in this moment, I am. I feel refreshed. Good. And where does that refreshness come from? It comes from feeling like you still have to think about Say that you was breaking up. No, what I was saying was feeling refreshed me, um, knowing that you've gotten the things done and need to be done for the day, knowing more. So, like a feeling of refreshment means that while, while you have so many things to do, there's more you can still do. So, yeah, I feel refreshed. That's what's up. That's what's up. I was feeling a bit anxious. Oh. Because I'm like, uh why is this not working? I do this a thousand times to try to get this recording to go. And it seems like almost every recording is something that happens that tries to stop me from doing it, which lets me know that it needs to be done and people need to hear what we have to say. I definitely agree. Yeah. So I kind of fight through that anxiousness like Jackie. You know, it's almost like rewiring your brain. Because we always want to go toward the negative end, but it's like, no, this is a game of tug of war at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, that, that's normally how things transpire. Yeah. But I think it's the ultimate goal. Do you have me on speakerphone? Oh, uh, no. Let's see about a window because it sounds like you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Sounds like fire apart. Let me see. Hold on a minute. Okay. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Okay, great. Yes, yes, yes. So let's jump right into the word of the day. The word of the day is altruism, which altruism can be spelled A-L-T-R-U-I-S-M. Altruism can be defined as unselfish regard for or devotion to the welfare of others. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back with a little extra earwax in their ear. <laughs> Altruism, A-L-T-R-U-I-S-M, is defined as the unselfish regard for, the, for or the devotion to the welfare of others. So in this crazy world, a little altruism will definitely go a long way. Yeah, I agree. I think also, too, that um, if we want to get into an altruism moment, um, what about the what about the young man who was being chastised because he said that he was gay? Oh, my God. And everybody came to his defense in spite of, you know, the back or the, you know, things people could have said. or did. Man, True altruism. Yeah, they, they sprung into action. Right? Yeah. Any thought of or. And that was disturbing to me 
in, for several different reasons. One, the trauma that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. Right. Not only with them teasing and bullying him, essentially, he's going to have to, he already a black gay man in society. So the eyes are already stacked up against him. Yeah. And for him to not feel safe, well, let me not speak for him, but seemingly not feeling safe with your own family. And guess what? All he wanted was to be next to them. He said, if you all are going to take me away from them, please have me at least a place where I can be next to my brothers and sisters. Because yeah, that is crazy. Still love. So he wants to still love them regardless of what. That is absolute madness. And I saw a video to where they were, they being the brothers and sisters, were kind of coaxing him on this little IG live video, telling him what to say, how to say it, just to basically kind of exonerate them yeah. from any of the wrongdoings that they did. And I'm like, ugh. But I bet you I can count on my hand which one of them, when the sun go down, they tiptoeing to another boy, talking about, you know, so what's good? Right. Nothing. Go to hell. How about that? How about that? So let's, in a world of chaos, let us all practice true and sincere altruism. Altruism. Yes. So let's jump right into breaking beauty. Nettie, do you get manicures and pedicures? I do. I just got one. <laughs> do you paint? Well, I think I remember seeing you with your nails painted. Do you paint your toes? I do. I always those black or pink. Now, what's the meaning behind that? So black is it's my formidable like um, being around like lazy. Pink mm-hmm. is my it, it's my vibrant. Well, I get apple green to it. Vibrant colors. Uh, you breaking up again, child. Oh no, I was saying those colors symbolize something very uh, important to me in my life. When I, you know, a, a, specific, a specific period in my life mm-hmm. where it was important to me, it meant so well to me. So that's why I wear those colors. It reminds me of those times. That's what's uh, it's very nostalgic. Yes. I love it. I actually didn't start getting them on a regular basis till I moved here. Okay. And, you know, with all the walking that we do here, for those that may not know, I'm in New York. Nettie is in Chi-Town. Yep, Chicago stand up. <laughs> so, um, I started getting them to be very transparent because, I, you know, I always would clip my toenails and stuff like that. And, yes. You know, you don't want no sticky, raggedy looking feet. Um, but I started getting them because I started to it's on the bottom of my foot. Oh, wow. I'm doing so much walking, 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 and not properly moisturizing like I should. And, um, you know, just going, wearing the wrong shoes, and, you know, all of that. So I'm like, you know what? I'm in this city, and that it had gotten to a point where it was hard for me to stand and put pressure on that foot. That's how bad the college was. Yeah, yeah. Y'all do some walking in New York, though. Yeah. So I've been doing it probably... For a little over a year now, and the callus is completely healed. And a lot of my friends think I do it for self care. It's actually more out of necessity. Oh. Um, 
because my feet are very ticklish. Okay. <laughs> so I'm squirming in the chair and I'm like, oh, it's so uncomfortable <laughs> for me. <laughs> that is funny. So I can see you in the chair, the lady is massaging your foot. Oh my God. I'm like, y'all ain't got no champagne or nothing up here. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, it's also rewarding. I say it's kind of like setting aside some time for yourself so you get back to the center of who you are. And then also making sure that you, you know, it's also part of hygiene. It's also part of a You want to feel good and look good. I my foot at Actually, believe it or not, Calvin Klein has a, uh, a skincare. I use it. I think he was telling me about that. So I use that moisturize my. But I started the past years five years ago when I realized my feet were pretty, but I didn't do anything before them. Right, right. Well, you got nice feet, but I never really did anything before them. I I did the maintenance at home with with clipping, cut those type of things. Right, right, right. Which makes sense. And so now, since I've been getting them done, then it's like you kind of, it's like you have a new car, you have to maintain it. That's right. You know what I mean? So that's why I kind of think of it. And for me, everybody knows me for skin. Uh, And again, being truly transparent, the skin is the largest organ of your body. So you got to take care of it from head to toe. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So I'm going to be real with my peoples. I love each and every one of y'all. From the bottom of my heart. My toenails are kind of a nude right now. Mine's is a black. I did get black again this time. And my polish. But I have a whole array of polish. I like the polish. So I like to keep this switch stuff. All right, let's move along. Let's move along. So we're gonna get serious for a second and then we're gonna get to the you know the fun back again. So let's talk about racial trauma. And racial trauma can be defined. Racial trauma is the cumulative effect of racism on someone's mental and physical health. I'm going to read it one more time. Racial trauma is a cumulative effect of racism on someone's mental and physical health. Now, Maddie, let me ask you... When, if and when you feel, have felt or feel racial trauma, how did that present itself to you? Well, I think racial trauma presents itself um, in many forms. I would say it, it presents itself in anxiety. Mm-hmm. Is when I have to fill out a job application. Or when the job application is your phone's still breaking up, Chad. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So basically, um, um, so my my trauma, my racial trauma comes in the form of um, anxiety. And the reason why I say that is because knowing the history of this country and what it has done to minorities, specifically black and brown people, African American, in which that I am, it makes it hard to, I mean, it makes it difficult to know that you have so many uh, liberties or so many freedoms, they so to, so to speak, but then you're still bound by racial injustice or implicit bias. Mm-hmm. So mine's coming in the form of anxiety because when I have to fill out an application, 
I'm always fidgety when they want to have a virtual interview or when they want me to come into the office and sit with them. Right, because right. when they realize that I'm capable, more than capable of doing the job, now they're picking at what else can I look at? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know what they automatically go to anyways when you walk in the room. Oh, he's an African, he's male. Let's see, let's see what his background looks like. Oh, his background is good. Oh, he's got to be doing some type of drugs. Right. We got to test him, you know. And this is how we get it. We get it this way all the time. But it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to um, approve when you're doing an investigation on these things because there's no one around who can vouch for you. There's nothing that's being done to to help ensure that you're getting a fair shot because people are just making their privilege. I right, see right, right. white people. But yeah, most of my racial trauma comes from knowing that if I walk into a grocery store, I'm being followed because automatically my skin color and me being a male is um, is connected to me being a thief. You know what yes, I mean? So that part bothers me also. Or I um, call in and say that my credit card was stolen, but because I'm African-American and the way that I speak, you automatically think, do you sure it was stolen? Or when I call and tell you my package, I didn't receive it. Oh, you sure you didn't receive your package? Yeah, I'm sure. So that's that. That's the type of thing that, that bothers me. That's, that, that happens. Only because privileged people has created a narrative since the beginning of time of our people that we're less than, we're part of the cattle. We get counted with the, we get counted with the cattle. You know, we were people who were considered the work. We were considered the help. We but then also lazy at the same time. But then also lazy at the same time. So when people celebrate Independence Day, July 4th, not 1776, how are you going to celebrate something that you weren't even a part of, you weren't even thought of as human at that time in your life? None of our people were even thought as human. And still not, for real, for real. And still not. So that bothers me, that type of thing, when we, when we uh, legitimize things like that. If you know now we have our own federal holiday, yes, give us that day. Give us Independence Day off. We deserve it. The cattle was off. But then so, run me a little extra coin. And run me, yes, and run me a little reparation. You know, and I mean, I just believe that our people need to get on the bandwagon of seeing exactly what it, the, the trauma for what it is. We always try to mask things. We try to um, put it in a perspective that it's not. We need to see things directly for what it is for what it is to be practical about those. So yeah. And I was watching a uh, TikTok video earlier and this young black man was saying that he sees a lot of younger black people when their white counterpart or non person of color or whatever you want to call it, uh, are being racist but trying to make it into a joke. It's not funny. Right. Correct. It's not funny. We're not going to take this as no joke. And we seen what happened to the guy in New Jersey. Yes. With his, you know what, I'm not going to body shame. I'm not going to do that. Uh, however, I got distracted. So when <laughs> I think of racial trauma, I think of me going into a store specifically for one thing. And I don't see that thing, but then walking back out, like they probably think I'm still in. But I also remember back when I was in Cincinnati, I went to um, Family Dollar on Central Parkway, if it's still open. And I was carrying my little bag, man bag, purse, whatever you want to call it. 
So he like, well, you're going to have to leave your bag at the counter. I'll do no such thing. Mm. He's talking about, oh, so what is that, your purse? It'll be whatever you want it to be, but it ain't staying up here. Right. Of course. And of course, he was a white man. Mm-hmm. And it's just certain things, even when it comes to walking down the street. And, you know, some sidewalks could be narrow and how white people feel like they have that authority for you to step to the side. Mm-hmm. And Real. for them to be able to walk through. No, baby, we bumping shoulders. We right. knocking if we bucking tonight. <laughs> okay? <laughs> baby. <laughs> that ain't what it is. Right. Yeah. But I think that, no, I don't think, I know that white people are like, well, you weren't born then, we weren't around, this, that, and the third. Well, y'all, some of y'all weren't born for 9-11. Y'all want us to forget what we went through, but when it comes to 9-11, it's never forget. Right. Which one is it? Or Which also, it? go deeper than what about police and women's body? And telling oh, them. Oh, my God. Telling them that that we can go into a whole lot of things. Telling them, oh, you have to have these babies. But then when the babies are born, no one is getting them help. There's so many homeless kids outside. Y'all want to throw them a link card or EBT card, whatever, SNAP card, whatever you want to call it. And then give it to the parents who don't know how to take care of the kids. Kids are out here just still on the same thing. First of all, what they need to do is they need to provide these parents with proper parenting classes because they are the growing up kid there's a lot of resources these children so i think that's where most of the they need the surface level and then they can move forward with everything but yeah there's a lot of like police and women's bodies and i go into that saying how can you tell somebody oh you're gonna have this baby regardless of how it came into the world however when the baby is not taken care of they're snatched and put into a system for someone else to take care of. And then guess what? They're no good to society and they become a menace. What do you say about that? So and you have to really stop. They have to really find out exactly what they what They know what they're doing. The manipulation oh, yeah. is what they like to play around with. So they can get richer and continue to get powerful. And they continue to leave people by the wayside. That's crazy. It's the manipulation, the gaslighting, yeah. all of that. The red lighting, all of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then even redlining. Redlining. That's another conversation. That's what I meant to say, redlining. I read redlining. I was I thought that might have been something I didn't know about. Yes. So we would have had that conversation online so I could have learned about that. Anyway. Right. (laughs) Um but I also think that when we talk about racial trauma, it's like nobody wants to assist us. And not, when I say nobody, I mean other cultures don't necessarily want to assist us with our trauma or be there for us and fight for us. When we're not looking, that's the whole thing. When we're not right. looking, what are you doing? Actually, you claim to be an ally, but what are you doing when we're not looking? Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. And it's like their allyship is contingent on them feeling comfortable. Correct. I don't get that luxury. I don't get to walk out of my house and feel comfortable. Just, and they, I was all their life. They've been comfortable all their life. Their people's been comfortable all their life. So what's the issue? You already got comfortability. You don't need it from me. Or they want us to educate them. Girl, Google is free. Educate yourself, because I'm tired. We tired. Mm-hmm. 
And I know my black women tired. Yeah, I know they are too. They hold everything. Literally it's, everything. Everything, and it's so sad. Yeah, so sad. I was uh, going to get some food earlier. That's why I may or may not be like, give me five more minutes because I needed to eat. Um, but it was a black young lady walking up at the same time I was. And so I kind of, you know, ushered her to the door, you know, like ladies first. Uh-huh. So the restaurant I normally go to, they know me. And she was like, what's up? You weren't trying to come in. I saw you was doing all that dancing around. She was being silly. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's ladies first. And especially if it's a black woman. Right. Baby, you go first. And she was like, no, I like that. I respect that. Because my mother is black. My grandmother yeah. is black. My auntie's black. Oh. Yeah. So if I'm disrespecting a black woman, I don't know. I'm disrespecting my people. And we're not doing it. Love you, black women. We want y'all to stay strong. Yeah. And if you need a shoulder, because the one thing that I hear some black women, and I don't really like to speak on black women's issues because I'm not a black woman. Right. However, I don't want black women to always feel like they have to be strong. Right, of course, without a doubt. Definitely. Sometimes they need a damn break. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that. Do you want to end off on that with anything? No. You want to talk about You want to meet So, you and this breaking up phone ain't about to worry me. No, I said, did you want to be the presenter topic? Well, no, we was finished with that. We was going to move into uh, the teaspoon of pop culture. Okay, well, let's do that. All right, but let's move along. So I asked you to send me a topic yesterday uh, for this particular segment, and you spoke about mixing gospel and hip-hop to appeal more to the secular community. Is it secular or circular? Secular? Secular. Because circular is like a circle. No, secular. Secular. Like, that's what the gospel industry call um, hip-hop, R&B. They call them secular. Secular music. The unsaved but, folks in my ear quotation. That's correct. There you go. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I brought up this topic, because now, press over the years, we've been having Kirk Franklin be at the forefront of mm-hmm. mixing this gospel and this um, rap, like I think they did something on BET with the the baby or uh, I heard baby. about that. I think it was Lil Baby. Yeah, and I've been seeing this over the years that he's been doing this, like uh, either Tasha Cobbs, you see, um, um, Kiara Shear. They all collab with the Nicki Minaj and all of these artists to do these gospel records, and I know most of it appeals to uh, they were trying to appeal to people who are not saved. So or who they I, believe to not be saved. Who they believe who whom they believe who they believe not to live a bold right life. And that's what Kiara talks about. She has a company called Bold Right Life. And they talk about all of this being saved and living a life for Jesus. But I think the way that they're going about it is is not very much standing on who they are. Mm-hmm. See what I don't like is when people have to compromise who they are. Stand in what you believe in. Absolutely. And as the community are folding and bending the rules to appeal to the to, to these people in the second I think what they need to what they need to how they want to separate from the idea of trying to look like they're trying to make money versus trying to say so. See what I'm saying? No, I hear that. 
So it's becoming like, oh, this is a business proposition versus we uh, are mixing these these objectives to, you know, help people see that it's all the same or it's all love. You know what I mean? No, I hear it. So now, get- let me ask you this. So, you know, I love to play devil's advocate. Yes. So let's say that I'm Nicki Minaj and Kirk Franklin hit me up to do a collab. Now, because I do rap about dropping it low and twerking and doing all of this, does that not make me saved? And does that not make me a child of God? And inherently, does that mean that I can't do this gospel collab and then still do my own thing. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm gonna tell you, that's not my that's not for me to know. Your relationship to Christ is individualized. Mm-hmm. That's personal. So I wouldn't be able to know I wouldn't know any of that. So you could be dropping it low on TV and then be the most, you know, spiritual person that I've ever known on the outside. You know what I'm saying? It's not my business to judge or also to know those things unless you right. share it. So what I'm saying is if you decide that you want to do that. Now, for the person who is actually collaborating, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I'm thinking why. But for the gospel artists, I think they're the ones who are responsible because they have a responsibility to live up to what those those things are that they believe. Mm-hmm. However, those that are collaborating with the gospel artists, they have a responsibility to stay true to themselves also. But also um, allow it to manifest in a way that they do that, that they do have lucrative assets from it. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's going to benefit from it, of course. However, I think the approach for the gospel person versus the hip hop person is different, and it should always be that way because of the nature of their, their business. So, are we holding one higher than the other? There's no higher. There's different standards, yes, because of of the guidelines or the protocols in which they, that they have to go by, yes. Because as a gospel artist, you're not going to see them out there with cleavage hanging out and dropping it low. But you might see that with Nicki Minaj. Well, let's even take it a step further because I remember Kirk Franklin had That's correct. the Bible, you know, that's against God's will, if you will. That's correct. That's correct. So that's- do we forgive him a lot faster or a lot slower or not at all? Nobody, nobody is judged. Nobody is judged. What I'm saying is, what is the message that's being sent overall? I mean, people are looking at these things happen. As a gospel artist collaborating with hip-hop artists, how do you allow your collaboration to be lucrative for you, but also appeal to a, a demographic of people that see you as this person who's well-respected because of your gospel roots? Let me say that. No, I get that. And the word that you use, lucrative, makes me feel like are they doing it for the right reason? That's that's why that's why I'm that's why I'm posing that question. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I picked up what you put down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, but it's so funny. It make me clap my hands. Yeah. Make me wanna. But then I start catching myself like Jackie. This is not, <laughs> uh, you know, Beyonce or right. Um, but then also, I look at it, you know, anybody that knows me well enough knows I love Beyonce. Um, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a part of the Beehive, because I'm not about to go to bed and argue with these people online. No. 
Okay. She don't know me. I don't know her. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I noticed that she does pray before each show, at least from what I've seen. Okay. But then she go out there and drop in love, singing she- I've been drinking watermelon. And I'm saying it's not a judgment. It's like for a gospel artists, the standard will be different. It will be. Because you're saying you, are, you have this, these, these spiritual practices. And some of them say they're just not religious. But Franklin don't believe to be religious. He's, Tamla Man says she's not religious. They're Christians. They believe to be spirituality, whatever you call it. Believe in that. So they believe in spirituality. And they, they don't believe in religion. Because they believe religion ho- holds you bound to a certain custom. Uh, you know who recreated that Christianity? That's also another podcast. That's a lot. It happened in the slave days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, all right. Bible and had him preach to the people to keep them contained. That wasn't true. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. All right, let's tootsie slide on to the next topic. So this one is going to be interesting. Okay. So I have seen this viral video of what I now know to be a mother and a son on a plane um, coming from New York. And they had a full seafood boil on the plane. I'm talking about the big pan of crab (laughs) legs, potatoes, corn. I think I saw some wine and some I shrimp. <laughs> I was like, y'all. Now I get you want to eat good. First of all, how did y'all get that through TSA? But I guess it's technically not a liquid. No, they said it. It was food that you could. They said it in the airport they allow you to take. I saw the the um the footage too. They said that they allowed them to take food on the plane. You know, as long as it's edible, it is not liquids. It's not something that you carry in under. Or on the plane to put away, and you're eating it right away. Then yeah, you can take it on there. They allow Which you- I think that was like grossly inconsiderate because I, it was, seafood got a smell to it. But I also think that it was um, it was not sanitary. No, and then what about somebody that might have a shellfish allergy? Or it's like, come on, y'all do better. Do yeah. Better. They- very inconsiderate, but they say they do it every time that they go on a flight, three hours. They're your people. Yeah. And they big too. Well. Well, let me not say they say they appear to be that's going on. That's my opinion. And you are entitled. so so the last topic i have and then we can kind of just freestyle after this okay is it's funny how the news cycle works how something like a couple of days ago can be considered old news um but i wanted to talk about wendy williams and tabitha brown oh yeah that's a good one wendy williams decided that she wanted to one put tap of the brand on hot topics two then she claimed she didn't know who she was i don't think there's anybody on the face of the earth at this point that doesn't know who she is i'm sure it's somebody 
I agree with that. But Wendy, of all people, the queen of hot topics in my air quotations, girl, you know who she is. You've seen her. And I think what disturbed me the most, because Tab is one of the most peaceful, like her voice is just like, I want to relax. I want to chill. I want to try something new. Um, I can do, if I didn't do the best today, I can do it over tomorrow. One of her taglines is, if you're not having the best day, don't go messing up somebody else's. You know, so she's just all about that positivity, where Wendy is pretty much the complete opposite. And what was weird to me was for you saying that you don't know who Tabitha Brown is, yet you decide to speak ill over her marriage. I have never seen projectile vomit. If projectile vomit was a person, it would be Wendy Williams. (laughs) Because your marriage failed. Don't project that on nobody else. Now, it would be different if you gave some advice like, okay, this is happening, that's happening. You know, make sure you have your account, your bank account, uh, account for him. And then y'all have a joint account, you know, just to protect yourself. But you went on this whole tirade, Wendy. And I'm not going to misgender Wendy like a lot of people have been doing. However, it's... And that's why I don't let a lot of people pray for me. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about intention. And it yeah. seems like Wendy kind of blacked out and started speaking on how she felt about how her marriage went. Mm-hmm. And that's not right. And then I felt the type of way because Wendy has these little cooking segments. Rarely do I see a person of color. So you could have had her come on and y'all could have talked about it then. She could have been cooking up some vegan shrimp or some vegan nachos. or. But you just so quick to tear her down. But what she said, what Tabitha said, was so powerful and if y'all haven't heard it it's google worthy it's on youtube i was gonna play it for y'all but i ain't about to take up y'all time <laughs> so uh i'm gonna give my two cents on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Tabitha brown love her sweetheart i the minute i found out about her, i instantly followed her i love her recipes i've used her recipes and uh she is a very inspiring uh, motivate. I think Wendy is. She wants to be viral every chance she gets. So I think she came for Tabitha Brown, knowing that it will give her that viral moment that she always plagues for, because she wants to stay number one, and that she does anything in her power to. What she, she don't care what people think of her. She wants the money to keep rolling in, and she gonna do what she. Has to do. She knew Tabitha Brown was not with no malice or anything. She knew that. She knew how Tabitha Brown was going to come because she watched her stuff before she did it. Trust me. This was definitely intentional and it was strategic to help her ratings and keep her ratings going. Right, 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 right. However, um, T.S. Medicine, and I read why I put T.S. Medicine in this because Tabitha Brown has become really close friends. However, but also T.S. promoted so, uh, Wendy Williams told 
she will not be promoted to TS Network on Week TV. Uh, actually, you can go on demand to watch it. It's on. Right. Say that one more time. Just break it down. The T.S. Madison experience, mm-hmm. um, which uh, she wanted to promote on Wendy Williams' show. However, mm-hmm. Wendy Williams told her no. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, when I can you hear me? No, you still kind of breaking up. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So, basically, yeah, Wendy Williams told her no. She would not promote her show. However, when Zola came out, Wendy Williams promoted Zola doing a recap of the best shows of the year. And guess whose face showed up on the screen? T.S. Madison. So the part said, what's for you is for you. Nobody can tell you anything. So she ended up still promoting T.S. Madison. So it was kind of funny to me that that happened. But I always say that you have to be careful how you do things and how you move because regardless of what you think you're going to do or how you're going to block it, it's still going to happen. Tabitha Brown gave her a nice church lady read. And she also prayed for her. She told her, well, I want the best for you. I want you to have love in your life like I have. Mm-hmm. She's like, my husband was going to bat for me for 15 years. You know, he, we worked in the L- as a L.A. police. That's not hard to do. So while life insanity, we're going to retire him and let him do some of the things he wanted to. Absolutely. And that make, that's partnership. That's what that is. That's part, that's what a marriage is. That's why she don't have one, and that's why hers because she want to date all of these guys. She know she has to take care of in order to get them. No one is trying to um, allocate for a woman like you know who's out here blatantly causing chaos for their own life, so that she can have material to try and use it against other people. You can't do that. You can't do that. But. She'll be miserable. Wendy will be miserable for the rest of her life. Wendy is not happy, you know. The money no, it's is evident. Yeah, the the money is keeping her happy. She's faking like she's dating around town, but Wendy is set, sitting at home crying on her couch with that lymphedema machine on her legs. You know what? I care with you. Well, I... Way to go, Tabitha. Yeah, and Tabitha out here in her Carolina Herrera dress, spinning around. Yeah. Giving the girls what they asked for, she yes. understood the assignment. Playing the kids, period. I love it. I love it. And I want for a Wendy to understand that she is one of the reasons that we have a teaspoon of pop culture. You know, she was a shock jock. Mm, she was. And yes. You help build a segment of this industry. However, there's a bit of humility that needs to go along with it. Yes, especially when you're getting older. Man, because we know how this shit goes. The older you get, the more they're going to age you out. Yep. Ageism. It's a thing. That's the reason why they won't get because People don't want to. They said she's been nominated 13 times already. It's a fool. They won't even give her one. They say a big dog, you too. So, I don't know. I don't know. What else is going on that you want to talk about? Um, there was something else that I want. The, the constant within the LGBT plus, uh, LGBTQIA plus trade community. The reason I said trade. R A D 
to take TS said that after uh LGBTQIA portrayed right there, you don't need no plus because that sums up everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so there is there's a division within the especially in the black queer community. And that division comes because one we're black, one we're queer, one we might be non binary on top of that, one we might be trans on top of that, one we might be uh fluid, you know, and that's sexual preference. And then I think that people also too associate people who you sleep with with who you identify as. Mm. So break that down for me. So basically, um who your sexual identity is who you are as a person, who you so um Ashley Preston, Ashley Marie Preston, she's a trans woman. She's a woman of trans experience. And she breaks it down like this. She said who you go to bed with is your sexual preference, and who you go to bed as is your sexual identity. Mm. That's how she breaks it down. And I've had conversations with people that are trying to understand, and me myself being a part of the community, it's ever evolving. So I always want to stay, you know, in the know of what's going on. Um, so, but- of because of heterosexual uh, or heteronormative behaviors, people associate uh, sexuality with uh, sexual preference or sexual identity. Right, right, right. And, and I say that to say because I know some trans women, or I won't say some, I know a trans woman that is dating a trans man. And here we go. Here we go. We're on the stoop. Y'all hear the sirens, <laughs> Lord Jesus. We're on the stoop. Hey, we got real <laughs> life. It's real life out here. <laughs> um, and for me, honestly, I was like, well, wait. Because then I would see a trans man pregnant. And for me, it was a bit confusing. I'm not going to lie. Now, I won't con- consider confusion with disrespect. But can I ask you why you were confused? Because I was like, well, what's the roles look like? But then, again, when you get into that uh, heteronormity. There you go. That's what I wanted to Thank you. Hey. Now, one thing about me is I'm going to be honest. And I think if a lot of people were honest and asked respectfully, just out of their own curiosity, because I want to understand you, I want to respect you, because what you eat don't make me shit. Yeah. However, like we said earlier, when somebody is talking about this shit behind your back, I want to be able to protect you, and I want to be able to speak up for you. And I ain't never even got to tell you that this shit really happened. Of course. But I want to make sure I protect my people. Right. Um, so that was really honestly it. Because I was used to either you were a man or a woman, or you were feminine bottom and a masculine top. Like, right. how dare you be a feminine top? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as I've matriculated, you know, in this lifestyle, then I'm learning, like, 
and some of my roles have changed. Now, I'm not going to get too far deep into my business. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, everything you see isn't always what it seems. Yeah. I also believe, too, that a lot of the tension within the, I would say, T, LGBTQ trade, uh, because a lot of girls, like uh, Miss Major, she is one of the trans woman of trans experience, she's like her almost 80s, and oh, wow. she, uh, back in the Stonewall day there when that happened, and she said she should always be first, and I agree with her. I believe trans women like Marshall P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, they led the movement for people like us to be able to live free and have the liberties that we have today. Now, we I still do have not a, a disagree with that. You disagree with that? I do not. Oh, okay. Some people, hey, you was about to get in my ass. No, I was going to ask you why. <laughs> but a lot of people do. They do disagree with it. You know, a lot of people think gay men started. They have a statue in New York in the park that shows two gay men and two lesbians sitting on the bench. No, nah, like, that ain't the move. No, that's not, that's not the move. That's not what happened. So while we celebrate and we think about these people, I think that a lot of times there's a hierarchy uh, of discomfort for uh, um, I would say book queens or queer males mm -hmm. they don't respect the mothers of the movement which is the trans women they don't respect them and it's so unfortunate and I hate to see it they need to do that more these are people these are people of distinction they really started ballroom culture mm -hmm. the Hispanic the Latin or the uh, black uh, trans women the femme queens they started ballroom like all of this stuff, all of this stuff that happened to give us a safe space, it was because of femme queens, trans women, women of trans experience. It's because of them. So I would say they you get ain't lying. you ain't lying, you ain't lying. They get disrespected the most when it comes to this. So yes, I'm calling them TLGBT or TLGBA trade community. That's the new name, TLGBT trade community. That's now let me ask you this. I want to know how you feel because I made the grave mistake of clicking on Chasing Atlanta. Okay. And I think it was Chasing Atlanta or Chasing LA. Chasing one. What's on now? Yeah. It's all a mess. <laughs> um, but I noticed now, right. back in my day, we called the guys like me the parents' words. Oh, okay. And then. There were some more derogatory terms towards trans women or trans of uh, how you say it? Women of women trans, trans experience. Yeah. And I've noticed that when the pants wears, the gay boys, the butch queens, get mad at one of the trans women, then they want to start calling them men. And so how are you homophobic or transphobic in a community that you're in? Well, that's because that's a, that's an insecure moment. That's a defense back in mechanism. That's what they do. They use those things which are gonna hurt hurt you the most to try and make themselves feel good of some sort, like they're doing something, empowering them. And it's the dumbest stuff ever. Like if you feel like you can't hold your own, or you feel like you got to go into a deep place like that, something wrong with you. That's some insecurities within yourself. It really is, and I think we talked about this before, because. In my younger years, I was transphobic. And it was something that I was very ignorant about. I didn't understand 
I couldn't fathom that I could see someone who, in my eyes, was presenting as a man, but then wearing a bra and panties underneath. But then everybody's transition is different. Right. Now that I'm, I'm older and a lot wiser, and I had to go back to some people and apologize. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. That was, and I won't say it was my intention, because it was. Kudos to you, Jack. It was. And now that I'm a lot more educated, and it took for somebody close to me to start transitioning, because I love them regardless. Right. And so it's like, okay, you want to be addressed as this and this? Okay. You, your pronouns or she, her? Okay. No problem. Ain't no sweat off my damn back. Right. However, the caveat is let's say we have a cis woman or a cis man and they're addressing me like, girl, what's up? Girl, what? I never introduced myself to you as a girl. I never did that. But when one of my trans sisters or brothers want to be addressed as such, then it's like, well, they are this and they don't always going to be that. And so if you're transphobic, just say that. Right. Because that. there's three ways that you can determine a person's gender identity. Um, of course, that's physically by looking at them. Mm-hmm. And then also allowing them to tell you what their pronouns are. Because first of all, if you're non-binary and you're like a male and you consider your pronouns to be she, her, or they, them, mm-hmm. you need to present as such. If you're meeting somebody for the first time, I should be coming in the room meeting you as they, them, or she, her. Mm-hmm. Because now, I, how does that work? Because I know you said that you're about non-binary, right? I am, yes. So what if somebody calls you, just looking at you like, okay, I see Maddie. And they say, you know, they order you a drink. And they'll say, okay, he's going to have such and such. So how do you, because I've seen some people get angry as if you was already supposed to know. So how do you combat that situation to let them know, like, this is not what we're doing? So basically, if I'm meeting somebody, I'll automatically explain to them, hi, my name is... Uh, Tony or Anthony or Natty. This is what my people call me. However, my pronouns are she, her, they, them. Gotcha. And if that, if you still expect me to blame you after that, then I have to put in your place because I done already told you how to address me. Now, let me ask you this. What led you to that moment? Well, so being non-binary is on the spectrum of transness. Mm-hmm. However, it's uh, for some people, um, the spectrum can go as just being just being real feminine, uh, liking unisex stuff, mm-hmm. or just being open with your sexual identity. For me, I, my friends, all of them that I went to school with, they call me she or her. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. When I grew up, I we called them illusionists. That's what me and your highness called them. We call them yeah, yeah. yeah, shout out to it's it's so crazy. We call them a loop because we didn't have a real name for them. So being able to present and um and look well and do well, perform. So that's what it was. It was being able to just be freely ourselves. But I never wanted to get my my parts taken off or wanted to transition to a woman. 
I just wanted to be free to be me. And that's fair because apparently we live in a free country. Yes. Allegedly. Um, so tell me about a time when you felt absolutely respected when it came to being non-binary. Oh, that's a good question. Okay. A time that I feel absolutely respected uh, mm-hmm. in terms of being non-binary. Yes. I uh, I was bored one day and I went to this, uh, this app called Eventbrite. I don't know if no one knows about that. And no, I was looking for Eventbrite. like, yes, I was looking for like dating or like places that I can go and, um, you know, listen to other people's experience in healthcare and stuff like that. Just like, just to get out there. So they had this mixer. So people who were transitioning out of uh, administration, more community health work. I went to the meeting, started talking to people before they actually started talking to the group of it, you know, started to function. And they called me up to speak. Oh, wow. And um, I'm so used to doing this. I'm meeting for the first time. I told them my pronouns. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like flabbergasted. They wanted to know more. When I left the podium, it's like, can you talk more about why you um, provided your pronouns? Because everybody's doing it now. We wanted to make sure that people understand why that's important. So I went into a whole thing about that. So I educated a lot of people, and they respected me for that. Like, now people were coming in, writing her and hers, the bottom, they, them. Like, people were really, like, into it. So I think education is key. So that's, that's what really made me feel respected that these people actually heard the messages that I was providing. And I know you went in there and slayed. Oh yeah, definitely. We had I had so much fun that day. I met so many people. I normally do that from time to time. When I get bored, I'll go on Eventbrite and look up events that I can go to that night and just go to them and just listen in. Sit in the back and listen or start mixing and mingling with different people. Because I just want to learn what other people are doing. You know, make myself available. Let people know I'm out here too, you know? No, I may have to try that. I got an, an event that is toward the end of this month. It was on Eventbrite. Yeah. Um, but I might have to try that because one of my friends, he was looking up uh, events for people that are vaccinated. Oh. And I was like, I would have never thought about nothing like that. Me either. And even though I'm not, you know, like, do y'all things. Right. Do y'all things. Okay, so I have another question for you. <laughs> And we might have to do a part two. This might cut off. Oh, that's fine. Um, anyway, let me turn my page. Lord, it's dark outside. I can't see. Let me turn my flashlight on. Um, so let's talk about gay is okay until it reaches your DNA. Mm, mm. And what I mean by that... I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So gay is okay until it reaches your DNA. So yeah, there's a lot of women who is okay with their gay friend being gay, and or their trans or the, their trans friend being or being okay with. But when it's there for, it's a travesty. You're about to die. This is this is not okay. And I can give you an example. I.e. Okay. Lestanton. And her daughter, her trans daughter, 
JB. Oh, Lord. That woman right there. Go ahead. I'm listening. That's a good example. And I'm going to tell you why. Because she has a friend called, her name is Shauna Brooks. She's a woman of trans experience. She treats her like a woman, uses her pronouns and everything, the proper pronouns that she wants. But when it comes to her daughter, JB's, she said that's her son. She will address him as such. And that is so strange to me because JB's is really doing her thing. Like, that's really why, has made a name for herself. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to do that. Because that one... I can understand her pain, though. I can pay devil's advocate in all of this. Yes, I understand Angela's King's pain because it's it's like mourning a death. You lost a son. It's okay. However, you need to start moving on to the other side of things and showcasing that while you lost your son, your daughter is blossomed and she's very happy. And that's how you should want to see her happy. And I think a lot of times parents are very selfish. They are. Because they want to have kids because they want their kids to be this, they want them to be that. And the moment that they deviate from that, now it's a problem. Yes. Correct. And Ms. JB's is very well spoken. She yeah. seems to have all of her scruples at like, what is she, like 19, 20? Yes. Making her own way, her own money. But then when I saw the mother with a Trump supporter, I'm like, oh, Jesus. And you know what? I'm not mad at that. But what I am mad is keep associating homosexuality with pervert, pervert, perversion. No, that's a problem. She keeps talking, putting those two in the same connotation. Why do you keep bringing those up in the same sentence? Those two things don't even mix. You wanted people to believe that homosexuality or queerism it's tied to uh, perverts or being perverts or something like that. Makes touching me. Nothing so, a little boy, a little girl could do for me. This woman is so dumb. I think she's doing that to make it to make it look a certain type of way. No, she's a cloud chaser for sure. She really is a cloud. Really, but she almost gives me kind of bitter beer face. Maybe her and Wendy should do a show together. Oh, but I don't think they would like each other after that. Baby, I want to see that. Uh-huh. I want to see all the claws. Uh-huh. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to leave the people with? Yes. So <laughs> I, lot, I know a lot of you people. You said that with certainty. I love that. I know a lot of people tell you that, you know, keep believing in your dream. Follow them. Don't give up. Think that. Wait, no, you breaking up. I feel like we need this bird. Go stand by the window, friend, or next to your router. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, so basically, I know that people tell you not to give up. People always tell you to stick it out. Wait it out. It's coming for you. But if you don't see the forest from the trees, put that car in reverse and do something else you like to do in your life. Mm. Don't wait around for plan A because you should always have a B and C. And that's my, my, my word for today. Sometimes you have to leave things where is that in order to see fit that you can get to it in a different way 
or get to other things that you want to do in life. Because while you're waiting for that thing to transpire, you're missing out on the other stuff that you could have been doing in the midst of that, or as time digressed. Come on, yeah, yeah. Right. I love it. I love it. And I want to say to you, before we depart, which you know I'm going to call you after we hang up. Yes. that's what we do. <laughs> um, but I want to let you know that I am exceedingly proud of you and all of the things that you're doing and all of the things that you're going to do. And I want you to know that your auntie is here. I'm a cheerleader. I'm on the sideline. And I know it's an airplane flying above my head right now. <laughs> um, anything that you can put your mind to, you've either already done or you're going to do. Well, I'm glad you said that because we're having our first annual Unity Stroll. On well, what's your, that about? It's on your highness's birthday. He died a couple of months ago. You know that he was killed. He was murdered a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And his birthday is August 29th. So we're doing the Unity Stroll. And I want to make it an annual thing for the girls to do. Uh, so we all went to college together with your highness. Your highness was murdered in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And his birthday is coming up August 29th. He was a dear, dear friend of ours and family member. Yeah. And... Yes. Um, I now wear a piece of him on my neck, which it makes me great, brings me great joy to know that I have a piece of him. I thought it was a beautiful piece. Thank you. Uh, however, the unity stroll is just to keep his memory alive. I also plan on doing some other things, too, because I am a 5013C uh, with aunts and uncles of America. I plan on creating a, a whole different thing, a branch of things, because people need to know about the beautiful person that he was. Um, I believe he was non-binary too, but he never got a chance to express those things because it was so very new and fresh. Everybody, everybody was still learning. But yeah, we all grew up in a time where we were all just being ourselves. And I think it's important that uh, we keep his memory alive. So I'm doing the Unity Pro on August 29th, which is his birthday. It's gonna, it's gonna Delta Jets in the office, which is what we were part of. We were low release. So and of course, I, you have to send me the flyer so we can repost it. Yeah, so we're going to have the flyer for that also. So anybody who wants to join us, they can. That's in Columbus. They can do new yaya. Uh, or they just want to join us and have a good time. If that's what's going to happen. I'll put the flyer out there and Jackie's going to post it. But yeah, let's keep This is going to be the first annual. So I'll keep it going. It's going to be the second, third. We're keeping this going because on Yaya's birthday every year. Or somewhere around that time, we are going to be doing this every year. And you should go ahead and create an Instagram page for that. I am. Before I publish this, I ain't going to publish it till you do it because somebody else trying to jump to you. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, so I want you guys, of course, to follow us on all of our socials. Want to scoop with Coop. Um, Oh, I meant to tell you. So there's this new app. It's called Green Room. It's through Spotify. Okay. And it's still connected to the podcast, but it's a different app. Okay. So where people can, I can actually host live callers. Oh, wow. Let's go. I think that would be cool. I think that would be cool. Right? Yeah. Well, that dialogue back and forth. 
That's the problem. Right. So I'm gonna have to curate the room because I don't want to deal with no trolls. I haven't had <laughs> to deal with them, and I am not Tabitha Brown. When they go low, I go to the flow. You go to the flow, <laughs> no, baby. I'm working on yeah. me. I like it, Jackie. Yes, I'm working on me. <laughs> now some of them I can just block because they don't be having no profile pictures or no content. Or... Jackie, no, you go right. through. Oh, you don't go to the flow. You go through the flow. Through. <laughs> I might end up in hell. <laughs> I just might. I just might. <laughs> but it is what it is. I know we're going to have some good hot wine. That's right. <laughs> Period. But I love you, friend. And I, I thank love you, you for always you. being ready for me with my bullshit. Of course. I'm always in for you. Let's get it. Period. <laughs> Say bye to the people. Bye, you all. Bye, people. Someone today, tomorrow, and next it's, it's in the time of healing and love. We need to spread love. Absolutely. So they say it's the Brooklyn way. <laughs> all right. Bye, friend. Bye.